This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. The following content is not suitable for children. George, I have this client and his wife won't swallow. And he, like, you know, is it even worth having oral sex if your wife doesn't swallow? Is something better than nothing? I think I have an answer to that. <laughs> okay, let's talk about it. Welcome to Foreplay Radio, Couples and Sex Therapy. I'm Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fallon, your couples therapist. And we are passionate about talking about sex and helping you develop a way to talk to each other. Our mission is to help our audience develop a healthier relationship to sex that integrates the mind, the heart, and the body. You know, this this happens all the time. Somebody wants a little bit more or maybe a lot more than their partner wants. You know, they, they have a partner who's vanilla and they want kink. You know, or somebody who says, you know, I want sex and my partner never gives oral sex. I mean, I guess the, the issue is what do we do with that part of ourselves that we want more than maybe what our partner wants? And I often listen to them and I, I get their pain. I get their angst about how difficult it is. But I ask myself, isn't something better than nothing? What do you think? Yes, I do. <laughs> I think something is better than nothing. So first of all, just to normalize that, that discrepancy is in every couple. Mm -hmm. One person wants something a little bit more than someone else and trying to navigate that is what a relationship's about. And yes, I get the frustration on the one side when you want something that turns you on and you can't get it, you know, that sucks. I guess my, I'm trying to to (laughs) swallow, not sucks. Okay, okay. How do we, what's the block on the other end, I guess, is what I'd be focused on. Is is the other person just not communicating, not open to it? Are they communicating? It's just a turnoff for them. And that's what what's going on. And this is their compromise. You know, can the couple get creative? Can they talk about fantasizing even if they're not doing it? Like, how does the couple kind of meet in this place? That's the million dollar question. I mean, how do you meet? when it just feels like there's this wall. So many people say, you know, I want to do it. And my partner says, okay, we can do it. But they don't bring any sort of enthusiasm or eroticism to it. That's kind of the Mm -hmm. basic split. And maybe, you know, I know, I understand, I get the research, I live in a female body. You know, maybe it's, you know, especially for a woman, she doesn't she doesn't really feel turned on until she's actually turned on, until she's aroused. Mm-hmm. So she's consenting, but she's not in it until her body reaches about 50% or so of arousal. So I do understand that, but I think it's so deflating probably for the person who, the pursuer, right, who says, you know, hey, baby, and then gets, sure, okay, back. I mean, do we just accept that? Do we keep working with that? Or, you know, it's so easy to get angry about what we can't have. 
my measuring stick would be whose need is greater. Mm-hmm. You know, I read, let's get the name of the article. I was reading this article about a couple where the husband, where they got divorced mm-hmm. and the couple, the husband was writing the article. He said, you know what? For 20 years, we had the same fight. Mm-hmm. Every day I would leave my coffee cup on top of the counter and every day <laughs> my wife would nag me, can't you put it in a dishwasher? Why won't you put it in a dishwasher? Right. And he's like, you know what? I, I, I didn't want to. I, it doesn't bother me there. I might reuse it. It's really not a big deal to me. Right. What he didn't realize that to her, it was a big deal. To her, every time she spoke up and he didn't respond, he didn't listen. It made her feel like he didn't care. It made her feel like she wasn't important to him. She's disrespected. It's symbolically disrespectful. It was hugely emotionally important to her. I know. That coffee I know. I get mug. that. Right? So this guy put his needs that weren't that big of a deal in front of her needs that were a big deal. Yeah. Right? And there are consequences to that. So again, I'm trying to do this sexually. What is his need to have her swallow? Mm-hmm. Right? It's a turn on. It sounds cool. You might see but, it in a movie. Right? right? What's he, her she need takes him for not swallowing? Yeah. Right? What's her need for not swallowing? Yeah. Does it feel disgusting? Does it turn her off? Does it make it feel what, you know, how do they have a conversation and figure out like someone's got to kind of compromise a bit here? Right. If she's open to giving a moral sex and she's saying, oh, baby, I wish I p- pretend I'm swallowing and she's doing everything to meet that need and just not swallow. Is that enough? She's stretching herself, giving her discomfort as much as she's capable of. I mean, that's what love tries to do. Right. It tries to stretch herself instead of these black or white. You got to do it this way or you're not pleasing me. Like if the person's making an attempt to me, that's good enough. You know, as a therapist, I can sit and I can completely feel both sides. You know, I can I can see how she feels about it. I can see how he feels about it. And this is, I think, the anguish I feel as a sex therapist or any therapist, right? I mean, the coffee cup thing, it's just that's ordinary therapy. You know, it's like, oh, can't you see each other? Because this is my fantasy about it. We're going to talk about my fantasies now. My fantasy Ooh. is... You know, that if they could see each other, it creates this like lower path, you know, this this place of love and empathy that then there's a possibility of walking across it to the other. Mm-hmm. I had this guy come in, this couple, and he's he wanted sex every day, really did. And she wanted sex once a month and she wanted sex, which was good. And he said, just tell me the truth. When we get done with this therapy, isn't one of us going to be having sex a lot more than they want and the other going to be having sex a lot less than they want? And I'm like, that would be a terrible outcome. You know, an average is a terrible outcome, just Mm -hmm. some sort of compromise because it doesn't change dynamically how people feel about each other. It doesn't connect them. So Mm -hmm. just saying, well, could you just do it two times a week? which I know a lot of therapists out there are trying to get their people to an average, which just won't, it won't hold and it won't create intimacy. It won't create connection. I love what you're saying. A lot of times people try to solve the behaviors, but they don't address the drive. Like that good Irish saying, everybody focuses on a drinking and not the thirst, Mm -hmm. right? It's we're really trying to get like, what, what would make this partner want to swallow? For herself, right. Right. right? Because if that, that would be a solution to the problem. But if she can't get there, 
you know, what, what can they do that sex doesn't become a turnoff? Yeah. Again, I, I'm always using the gas pedals and the brakes. This is a gas pedal for him. He wants her to swallow, right? right? It's a break for her, right? If she's able to articulate that, right? How do we help her with that break? Maybe they can get to a point where swallowing actually turns her on, which would be a win for both of them. Or maybe he can get to a place of saying, you know what? It's just a break for her. And I got to learn how to kind of deal with that. Right. That's a couple of trying to work together, pushing the same direction instead of blaming each other for something yeah. that it's not their fault. I think that what you were saying, the stretch. I mean, first of all, most of us think sex comes naturally, you know, and everything we do should just feel natural and feel good. But my experience as a person and as a sex therapist is that we really need to grow and mature sexually. There's so many things that, you know, when you're 11 years old and you hear about French kissing, you're like, that's disgusting, or some of us when we were 11, you know. And I think many people think that about oral sex in the beginning, like, ooh, you do what? You know, when you're a kid, it's like it, it sounds awful. But then you mature and, you know, you find a way to eroticize it, to, to you know, it becomes intimate, it becomes sexy. It's like the smells, the taste of sex. It's like you acquire it. And I just think there is this, I guess this is why I'm the pursuer, you know, it's like there's this push, there's, there's got to be a way to develop maybe a little bit more. Because I, I have talked to, I have talked to hundreds of women, George, that did not like oral sex. And then after we worked it all the way through, they were great with it. Well, that's a very hopeful message, <laughs> right? That what feels like an impasse in this moment could shift with time if couples keep being open to expressing their needs directly. Hey, this is really important to me. I do think there's something important. We keep using this example. But if she, say, didn't want to swallow, but she wants to talk about it, like they're using their fantasy in it, like she's saying, oh, baby, I'm right. Like that, that could do something, make it more comfortable for her and give him some victories with it, right? And that's, I think, how people start to acquire it, right? Yeah. It's not all or nothing with just one event. It's slowly kind of building success over time. Yeah. And the other side was this particular client. She was willing to have him come in her mouth. Uh, she just didn't want to swallow. But for, and, you know, but for him, it was all psychological. The feeling was the exact same. Right. You know, exact same, whether she swallowed or not, his physical sensation was it. Same thing. You know, right. it was mental. Like he, he wanted this for him. It was just ingesting, taking in, being completely good with him. I mean, there was all this other stuff. So Right. Well, we have a nice term in EFT called slice it thinner. If the person can't do the one behavior, you make it a little bit smaller. Mm -hmm. So maybe I can't take this risk and share my fear. So instead, I'm going to share, I don't know how to talk about this, but it's the start of a process. How do we take these impasses that feel like deal breakers and start to slice them thinner, start to help couples have conversation where they have a little bit more success with that? I, I love that. And I think that is the pathway. It's, it's exactly what we do in EFT with emotions that we got to do with kind of sexual feelings and experiences is okay. But I, you know, it's getting people to talk about that because they're usually so escalated and angry and shut down. I, I can't give you, you know, I can't give you an inch because you'll take a mile, you know, so they don't, they don't want to 
slice it thinner. They don't want to give a little bit because they're so afraid that the demand will go up. If I swallow, you know, the next thing you're going to want me to do is, you know, eat your poop or, you know, I mean, it's going to, it's going to get Ooh. more. <laughs> a lot of people do I, that, George. I listen, to each their own. I think maybe let's come back and let's use an example of what slicing it thinner could look like with a couple. Okay, we'll do that. Okay, May 20th is our couple's retreat. Great sex, great love. You can find it on our website on foreplayradiosextherapy.com. And we just invite you as a couple to come and join us on May 20th. It's Friday. It's all day. We talk all about sex. We talk about everything. And we do it in a way that's safe and not embarrassing. But if you come, you will have conversations you've never had before. Yes. So May 20th, again, great sex, great love. Please join us. Come on. Hey, don't forget to check out uberlube.com with the coupon foreplay. It really helps us to support the podcast and keep delivering free content. Thanks so much. Lori, really excited about the Success and Votability Project. We are really pushing the leading edges of therapy and breaking down the process and in moments, session by session, choice points. Why does this work? What intervention are you using? If it works, what do you do next? I mean, this is the next level for therapists. If you want to up your game, you want to see real clinical examples, you want to break down the process, you want demonstrations, you want teaching. I mean, it's all there. Really exciting, good stuff. It is. I love it. It is good. I love what you guys do teaching and the demonstrations. They're fun. They're funny. And they're really helpful to my work. So this is training for therapists. If you'd like this training, go to successinvulnerability.com. It's all one word, successinvulnerability.com. Okay, so let's talk about another example, and then we can kind of slice it thinner. What if um, the couple, one person wants anal sex and the other doesn't? It's... It's a block these days. Everybody is talking about anal sex. Okay. So you got all these different examples that people are sending in to us. Anal sex, swallowing, you know, a position you want to do, all these things. Okay. So what are we trying to get them to do? How can you express to me why it is so important to you? How do I express what blocks me from wanting it? I think that's the starting point. We're trying to gather the information on both sides. Then we could start to see what we can do to slice it thinner. So why don't you tell me, Lori, why is it so important that you want anal sex? Oh, boy. Okay. Um, Well, I want it because, first of all, I just want to try something new. You know, I, I want to... And now to, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just just for the role play. You're you're heterosexual couple. You're a wife who wants anal sex, and I'm a husband who doesn't want it. Is apparently, that what we're play yes, here? yes, I guess okay. so. Okay. <laughs> you guys should see George's face. Okay. Okay. So I want anal sex, right? And you you're reluctant. Yes. That'll be a switch. So. So what is it, Lori, that you want about anal sex? You know, I just think. It's interesting. It it feels good to me. And I just like to do different things. You know, I, I guess, you know, everybody talks about it and it seems like you would really like it. Um, you know, I mean, people, it's like taboo. It's a little dirty. It's like, 
naughty or nasty. I don't know. It just it just seems like we should be breaking some rules together because we're you know we're monogamous and we're staying together. And it's like I just I want to switch it up. Suits. Mm-hmm. Tell me why you don't want to. I, I it just it feels like gross to me. I mean that's where poop comes out. I mean, it's not, it feels dirty. It feels like it's just, I don't, my brain doesn't equate that with sex. You know, that's something I do by myself, close the door. And like, you know, I, I just, I, I looking at that grosses me out. Mm. Are you saying that like it'd be, Oh, I, I'm not sure. I, okay. I'm going to try to get you, but it feels like I'm, I feel I ashamed suddenly. I feel terribly ashamed. Like, like you're saying, like, I'm disgusting. I don't think you're disgusting. I mean, a lot of people obviously like it, but for me to have my penis touching poop, it just grosses me out. You can like wash your penis off right away. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, I wish it, I didn't have a problem with it, but every time I think about it, I get like, oh, that is not like, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my erection. Mm. Yeah, that would not be so good. And I start having to think about other things and I'm not no longer present. And I remember this podcast I listened to, I need to be in my body and my emotions. And then that starts disappearing. And before you know it, I could have really big problems. Well, it's not like we would be doing it every time. I mean, I'm just talking about an experiment. You, you, do you, I, I mean, this is not like steady diet. This is like salt, you know, a little bit of something spicy Every once in a blue moon, you know, could you think about a one-time thing? Just if you don't like it, if it is disgusting, you know, forget it. Then we won't do it again. I mean, is there any way you could try it once? and, Or maybe we could do it in the shower. I mean, we could do it in the shower and then you wouldn't smell anything. You wouldn't, you know, you'd be clean right then. Maybe. <laughs> maybe you could try, you know, using a... Easy sell. Uh, a dildo <laughs> or a vibrator or something, and I could just kind of watch, and you know, we could, you know, yeah, yeah, that that would be okay too. That that would that would work for me if that makes you feel like you could be kind of one step away, and I don't know, feel a little more safer, more hygienic or something. Well, I. I I like it when you get turned on. So if you're getting turned on, I think that's really cool. I just don't want to get turned off while that's happening. So maybe if you were, maybe I was touching it or you could be using a vibrator or something like that would maybe you see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That That's good. All right. So what are we both doing? We're both slicing it a bit thinner. Right. I'm going from, no, this is a deal breaker to, all right, I'm I'm open to trying some different things. Right. It's really okay to say to your partner, I want to, I'm just not sure how to do that. Mm-hmm. Right? It's showing a willingness, but still standing up for that part of you that's uncomfortable with it. Sometimes that's the best we can do. I want to, I hear you, what you're saying is important, and I'm a bit blocked here, and this is the, where I'm starting at. And, you know, I think this conversation is, it's a beautiful conversation that these two people had because they're respectful and there is that heart. I mean, the one person, the woman didn't want to force the guy to do that. And the guy was trying to get a hold of the eroticism in it for her, find a way. That's the slicing it thinner. Like, well, what about this? And to me, what they came up with was a 
a real move toward each other. I mean, I think some people don't move that far. You know, they're mm -hmm. slicing it thinner as like, well, you know, let's fantasize about it, which mm -hmm. is it's just in their mind and not I, I think I think that's good, you know, because their minds can think about it, wrap around the resistance, kind of work their way through. I think that's a good way to slice it thinner. But what this couple came up with was actually doing something to enhance, you know, her feeling of taboo and eroticism and his, you know, need for hygiene and his weird feelings about, you know, poop on his penis. Right. And there was a pivotal moment there where it could have went sideways or in a bad direction, right? When you yeah. started to feel shame about my trigger. Right. Like, how do we make room that that could likely happen? Mm -hmm. If I feel grossed out, doesn't mean I think it's gross for you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I got to be able to be ready to kind of stand up for what I feel, but in a way that is also conscious of the impact it might have on you, mm -hmm. right? So for me to be able to say, wait, there's nothing wrong with you because you want it. Lots of people like that. That's cool, right? I just am one of the people that don't. Is that okay too, mm -hmm. right? I think, you know, both of us respecting that in each other gives us a shared platform to then compromise. If we can't get that shared platform, then compromise is difficult. I mean, when you feel ashamed, do you want to compromise? You're probably gonna have to shut it off, which means you lose. Mm -hmm. And then I lose if you shut it off mm -hmm. or if you shame me for not being, you know, a man who's experimenting and what's wrong with me. Right. You know, you might force me to override this part of myself. Right. But that I could usually have comes, you. Mm -hmm. Right. With crushing some of that desire. And I would say that that sense of feeling shame when I first heard the resistance in the partner, you know, you did a really good job in the role play of of making it, you know, of not shutting down because I felt shame, not getting defensive, but just kind mm -hmm. of saying, okay, I think when our partner feels shame, I, I think about it as like, we got to wrap a blanket around them or a robe around them. We've got to clothe them because they feel naked, right? They nice. feel yep. naked and ashamed. And so we got to clothe them with our words and our care and, you know, help them. And naked, I felt like you did TV that. TV show, Naked and Ashamed. <laughs> naked and Ashamed. <laughs> With I love I, George. I love what you're saying with just being ready for it. I mean, that's why we're not so scared of these triggers and these sexual conversations, because if a couple knows what to do with them, it actually leads to deeper bonding and connection, mm -hmm. right? If you talk about your shame and I meet you and wrap that blanket around you, mm -hmm. all of a sudden this event that always divides us brings us closer together. That's the opportunity of vulnerability in these sexual conversations. Yes, absolutely. It's an opportunity. Our differences actually present an opportunity for us to see each other more deeply, you know, explore these areas. And, and I, that's the ideal, right? That's what we're working for as couples, what we're working for with our couples in therapy is how do we get even the differences to be an exploration and a way mm -hmm. that I see you more, right? If I see you more, I can feel more intimate. And that's Sue Johnson's main argument of secure attachment, mm -hmm. right? That if you feel safe and you can then take these risks that over time, you can get to know each other and yourself much deeper, mm -hmm. right? Because you have a partner who's going to respond to you in shame and fears and threats that come that are inevitable in these conversations, right? But if you avoid these conversations, right, you're going to, 
you're not going to get that kind of intimacy, that closeness that could is potentially there for every couple. Exactly. Exactly. It's, you know, it is, as we've talked about, secure attachment. People are more experimental. They're safer to try things. They're safer to risk suggesting things and being vulnerable and stretching like you talked about sexually, you know, willingness because you feel so safe with your partner. Right. And a lot of couples that have been married a long time and have good relationships sexually are still pretty insecure because they don't take risks. And yes. they do the same thing over and over again and they yes. don't want to hurt their partner. And there's a lot of distance in their relationship. So from the outside, people say they have a great marriage, but sexually, I would say they're still pretty insecure because they can't have these conversations. To me, this is the test. We're all going to have misses sexually. Can you talk about it and in that conversation know yourself and your partner better? Then that's fantastic. Right, because it's such an important area. I mean, it's we got to be secure sexually and we got to be secure emotionally. And I agree that this, you know, couples, I, I saw a couple who had been together for 40 years and they had never had some basic conversation, which speaking of basic conversation, we, we really want to invite you to our Great Sex, Great Love retreat on May 20th, because that's what we're going to do, is we're going to help you step through conversations nice. with each other. And George and I have been working really hard on that in terms of really helping you assess and talk through in a really whole-bodied way, you know, the, no pun intended, but your body, your emotions, your spirit, and your thoughts, um, so that we can help you have a full experience with each other and learn about each other in a really deep, holistic way about your sexual beings. Yeah. And how cool is it that there are markers out there that can give you feedback with how secure your sexual relationship is? Yes. That if you could have these conversations, if you could talk about difficult things and feel more understood afterwards, what a beautiful doorway into more erotic fun and safety and security. Yep. So yes, come to this retreat, have some of these conversations if you don't know how to do it. Right. Right. If, if you know how to do it, that's your homework assignment, listeners, go home and have one of these conversations. Go See how it goes. Go home and talk about anal sex. There we go. <laughs> okay. Find us at foreplayrst.com uh, for the retreat, May 20th. It's coming up. Thanks for listening. Keep it hot. Call in your questions to the 4Play Question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, play. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.